In this episode, Nelson talks about his journey from tech in the Silicon Valley to fitness, and then into actually teaching personal trainers all about financial literacy, which you'll hear about it when he talks about his book. So I hope you enjoy this episode, and I can't wait to uh, give my feedback after it's over. Hey, welcome everybody to the Blaze Your Own Trail podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Mendoza, and today I have a very special guest. His name is Nelson Toriano, and I'm actually going to go ahead and let, let him tell us a little bit about himself. Sure thing, and I'm very excited to be here, and again, thank you for having me. Um, like I said, my name is Nelson Toriano. I'm the CEO of a financial education company called Coach Nelly Toriano. Uh, my personal background, I've been, I'm born and raised in Silicon Valley, so I'm still based here. And when you're in this area, you fall into tech careers. So I was working in the tech industry for about 10 to 11 years. Um, and I am one of the many, many people who have the stories where they just felt unfulfilled and they felt pretty empty sitting behind a, a computer and, and inside of a cubicle. Um, and then there was something else in my life that I wanted to fill on. My side hustle during that whole time, I was uh, training clients. I found my passion in fitness, so I was teaching group fitness classes. Um, and when I hit that point where I was started soul searching, it made sense to um, take the leap of faith and switch careers altogether. So I flipped my career um, and went into fitness full time. And I studied. Uh, I I was doing business and tech uh, part time. At the same time, I actually was pursuing a master's of business administration as well. So I've always had a passion for business, um, but I wanted to see how I can design my career making fitness. Um, more of a, a, a lucrative um, option for myself. So the opportunity came about. I started to become a, a program manager and I started managing my own gyms. Um, one thing led to another and I started getting more clients um, and getting more notoriety within the industry. And one of the challenges about switching careers, especially going from tech to basically about anything, is your income level. So one of the hard realities that I had to endure was um, in the fitness industry, I was earning significantly less than what I was earning in tech, um, but it didn't take me long to get back into the same income level that I was at previously. I can't say the same for my colleagues in the fitness industry who didn't have a background in business. Um, many of them were struggling. Uh, a lot of them quit the industry altogether just because it's um, a very challenging career and especially a challenging career to sustain in an uh, area like Silicon Valley where the cost of living is really, really high. So I did, I entered in probably another year of soul searching to see what else I can do to uh, give back to the community I love and the industry I'm very passionate about. Um, so I felt it was my social responsibility and my unique opportunity to um, provide the industry with education about financial literacy, how I did it, uh, what I understand about the business world, what I understand from my formal education. And this is where my book comes into play. So I wrote a book for the fit, but poor personal trainer, a guide on how to train money, not muscle, to grow. Um, I have it available on Amazon, I have it on my website, and I develop um, online courses uh, so personal trainers understand financial literacy. Um, so I teach not sales and marketing. The industry has a lot of information on how to get a client, but not a lot of information on how to sustain within the career. So the personal trainer does not burn out or feel compelled that they need to leave the career in order to pursue something else that's more lucrative. And my goal, my overall uh, um, mission in life is to provide that education to make a difference um, and capitalize on a lot of people who are very passionate and smart about physical wellness and fitness, 
um, and help them out and, and, and teach them ways how they can continue making uh, a solid impact for more and more people. That's wow, me. That, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. And I think, uh, you know, that, that was super valuable to hear and, mm-hmm. and definitely a really interesting story because I, I think most of us, at least from, from my vantage point, when I think about Silicon Valley, you do think of tech, right? And so, you know, you, mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, you ended up in the uh, career that people probably expected. Yes. And then, you know, the reason why you're on the show is you actually blazed your own trail and decided to go a route that's massively different, right? Yes. When you're in a cubicle, you're really not talking to a whole lot of people. Yes. And when yeah. you are, you're probably doing it more electronically, like through Skype or yeah. Slack, right? A direct, yeah. like some yeah. type of direct messaging. And so, and you you don't seem like an introverted guy to me. You seem more yeah. ext- extroverted. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and, and I know how it is for me, like typically when, you know, when I'm in the office for, for my uh, role that I hold in the corporate world, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's tough. It's tough to sit it's there. Tough. It's tough because yeah. like I'm super extroverted as well. So I want to be out talking to people and to be con- kind of confined to a small space like that. Yeah. Um, it's almost like you were able to kind of spread your wings yeah. and, and now you're soaring. Right. And, and yeah, you're absolutely. also doing something that you're super passionate about. And, yeah. and for me, like that, that's where it's, where it's at. Right. It, yeah. It, it, when you're passionate about something, it's, it's almost like it's not even work right? You're yeah, having, exactly. having a great exactly. time. Um, so well, super cool that you went, you know, the route of, of a personal trainer. So mm-hmm. how much like knowledge did you have going in about like fitness? Like, 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 would you say you were at like a, at 80%, a hundred, like, or was it way lower than that when you first, first I would started? say, when I first started, I would say I was about 50% because I definitely could not compete with the students um, and the graduate students who had formal education in kinesiology and physiology. Yep. So they went in depth and they actually had, you know, term papers and thesis and um, all the many, many years of developing into anatomy. I couldn't compete with that. So okay. in the personal training world, um, you go through these associations to take the exam to be a certified personal trainer. So my knowledge base was based on that, um, based on my own research that I had to, you know, YouTube and articles and studies that I would read on my own. Um, but also um, in group exercise, you have to be certified to teach a particular format. So if you wanted to teach a particular uh, format in dance or in weightlifting or yoga, yoga in order to be certified um, as any yoga uh, instructor, you have to do at least 200 hours. Um, so that's kind of an equivalent truncated education in order to teach that particular format. So I definitely put in my hours, but I couldn't compete with the official um, formal education of a trainer. Once I entered into the industry full time, that's when I started taking more and more courses, uh, trying to supplement and trying to, in a way, try to keep up. Um, the tricky part about that also is um, going back to my passion. Um, I didn't want to be competing against with other personal trainers. These are my colleagues. These are wonderful people who give incredible advice. So I knew my skill set couldn't, my hard skill set couldn't be on par with theirs. I could gain a lot of information, but my unique point of view is going to be on the business side, which they may or may not necessarily have on their end. So it was kind of interesting entering into the workforce. I had to uh, know who I am first, what my skill sets are. There's going to be some things that I know well. There's going to be some things I do, don't know well. Um, but working with the people who complement that. So as a team, I found really good workplaces where I don't feel 
um, less confident or inferior. I found teams and, and, and colleagues where we can partner up and provide a great gym experience. Um, but we're all, all, all our relationships are symbiotic in that way. So um, I took one of my weaknesses and turned it into a benefit that could actually develop an entire team within the gym. That's awesome. That's so cool. So, so, so tell me about uh, when you were a kid, were, were you into yeah. fitness? Was, was fitness something yeah. that you were like super into or were you, you know, were you into sports? Did you play any sports? I put it this way. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I was athletic. I was hyper. Uh, you're right. I was, I'm, I was pretty outgoing. Um, I just loved doing stuff and running and playing with my friends. I like being outdoors. Was I coordinated? Not really. <laughs> was I ever first picked on the team? No. Could I ever um, jump high enough to reach the basketball hoop? No. <laughs> but my enthusiasm was there. there <laughs> my there motivation was there. And that never stopped me from, from playing as many sports as I could. Um, so being active, yes. Being coordinated to play any sport, no. <laughs> so I always had that drive. Um, another thing about uh, being a kid, and I think uh, in terms of uh, how it evolved and knowing oneself, is that I always was passionate about helping other people as well. So even yeah. if I was physically what physically active, um, what some of the best entrepreneurs, some of the best role models, the most influential people you'll ever know are not only passionate within their own career, but sure. they physically reach out and include you in their activities. They're just yep. generally enthusiastic, and um, they may not be like the smartest one in the field but their passion and their enthusiasm totally resonates with you so that I remember as a kid because I would get other people excited about random stuff and even now when I talk I get people excited about the randomness that out that comes out of my mouth also so there you go yeah that that talent never left me <laughs> hey well listen you know self-awareness is everything right and so yeah you know being being aware of how you're wired. I, I don't, have you ever taken a, any type of personality assessment? Like when no, you're in college I haven't. Or in, nothing? in college, I think I did, but it's been so long. I probably did when I was taking psychology courses. Okay. GEs, I can't remember the role. Okay. Yeah. Um, very, very cool. Yeah. So, yeah. so part of my background, I'm actually certified in Myers-Briggs. It's a MBTI type assessment. Yeah. yeah. Most people have taken it in college and and then mm -hmm. they, they take it later in life. And, you know, it's one of those assessments that, you know, as a certified practitioner, one of the things that we learn is that, you know, you, you have to take these assessments in a neutral headspace, right? Mm -hmm. When you're thinking about the questions, it, you know, don't waver, just kind of answer right in that moment, you know, mm -hmm. and, and when you do it that way, the results uh, aren't going to be skewed, right? It's going to be yeah. basically how you thought of it in that, in that moment, in that second. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I, I think it's very fascinating, though. And like from me, obviously, we, I know you're an extrovert. Like we can tell that, you know, you're <laughs> super, super energetic and, and optimistic, right? Yeah. Um, so, and, and really, the, the E and the I when it comes to those assessments, uh, is, they're easy to identify, right? We can identify yeah. people that uh, don't want to talk as much and then people mm -hmm. that just can't, can't not talk like, like me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> And it's super interesting to, to see it in other people, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I have, my wife and I have four kids and yeah. uh, all of them have different personalities and I can easily see which, you know, like my 11 year old, 
she wants to be by herself and she wants to read and she and yeah. my eight-year-old's asking her questions every two seconds right and so you can kind of <laughs> notice those you notice one that's like i just i don't want to talk i'm happy yeah. not not doing you know and then the other one yeah. super hyper and energetic so it's yeah it's funny and interesting to see and and how those opposites can can have conflict right yeah like yeah conflict with each other um there's, there's a quote that uh that I heard, I can't remember who it's, who it's by, but it says, if you don't know what an extrovert is thinking, you haven't been listening. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you don't know what an introvert is thinking, you haven't asked. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's, and that's so a, great. That's a, it's a, yeah. a cool quote to, to be able to easily identify from yeah. one to the other, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up with the uh, differentiation as well as conflict. Cause I remember um, part of my job when I was working at the marketing agency in the tech world, um, was paid search. So I was looking at, I was looking at ads um, and I wasn't enthusiastic about the, the task and that skill set for a while until I wasn't enthusiastic about it because it did require a lot of um, data analysis, looking at spreadsheets, looking at trends. Um, and I was staring at a computer for so long. Sure. And one of the things that I, I eventually learned about myself, I hated implementation. I hated sitting there. Oh my God, did my back hurt? Props to, and mad respect to anybody who find that career uh, fulfilling, more power to you. Um, just for me, for my personality, sure. I wasn't attuned at that point to who yeah. I am as an extrovert. And I just noticed that internally there was a conflict and it would actually personify uh, itself and I would be more um, boisterous and, and frustrated and projecting onto other people because internally it just wasn't the right match. Yeah. So taking the leap of faith and actually trusting my gut instinct to switch careers into something that required more extroversion um, was one of the best things I could ever do for myself in my life. But it was an odd way. It was something that I could, should have done previously if I were paying attention to what was going on within. Sure. Like I've always yeah. known myself to be that. Um, and I didn't realize it uh, until probably my friends gave me direct feedback and saying, you know what, you're really smart. You know your stuff in terms of business, in terms of tech, but your working environment, it's not suitable for you. So they, it was actually, yeah. I leave it up to them to uh, hold a mirror up to me and say, you know, uh, this is your reflection. You really should take the leap of faith um, and pursue a totally different career. Still hold on, take whatever you learn, but now apply it into your new industry. Um, and leaving the tech world when you're living in Silicon Valley is like the kiss of death and people don't know what to do with you. And they're like, Oh, you're, you're leaving this tech company. What are you going to do? Are you going to do? And they, they would start rattling off other careers that are still related to tech. Like, no, I'm, it's not, <laughs> you have to understand. And people were generally worried, but I have to, I had to keep reassuring them. Like, this is, this is me. This is what I want to do. Even then, even now, I still get it where um, in the personal training world, when I'm sharing my message with other people who are so trained in anatomy, kinesiology, and uh, physiology, they're great personal trainers, but they understand the sciences. And when I bring my message of like, it's great that you know the sciences, but can you be financially literate and understand there's the revenue that you get from personal training clients, and then there's income. There's going to be everything in between, which is going to be taxes, which is going to be cost of goods sold. There's going to be all these things that take away revenue. And then I'll get a lot of people who are, again, their mindset is in sciences, and they just kind of gloss over. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so still being true to my passion and, and, and being what uh, um, I intend to educate people on, it's sometimes it can feel um, almost lonely. <laughs> almost lonely when you're talking to an audience um, who has a different mindset, but you know in your heart that this is a message and, and, and that needs to be communicated.
So that's where I'm at right now. Um, and again, taking that leap of faith and knowing that I am making a difference within the industry, knowing that I do have that unique voice in terms of business and personal training um, and communication and trying to make do some good with this also. It, going back in the context of, of setting your own trail, uh, um, blazing your own trail, I don't know if any other entrepreneurs feel this. I definitely do. There are going to be times you feel really lonely because yeah. <laughs> you feel like you're the only one and really you are the only one with your unique perspective also, but you just kind of have to keep staying true to yourself and keep going. Yeah, no, that's, that's it. And those are definitely uh, really, really good insights. And I like the fact that you have this unique skill set because probably most people that are in your and I'm just speculating here I don't know I don't know any stats on this but I would assume that most people that are personal trainers don't also have what you have right yeah. they 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 don't also like understand a business model understand like yeah. P&L budget exactly. right like all of those things that, that yeah. you actually need to know yeah. about so that you know if your business is actually sustainable Exactly. Right? I mean, so, exactly. Um, so, so that's amazing. So when did you actually come to the fruition that you wanted to write a book? It was, I could, I distinctly remember it was the, um, 12 months ago. It was January and it, it, it was in that soul searching phase of there's gotta be something more in the fitness industry and there's gotta be something more that I can do with my career. Um, I started getting that itch that there's something lacking in terms of fulfillment. Um, but the more that I started researching what would it take if I actually became an author, it's always been a smart goal of mine, but I never actually had the motivation to do it. I didn't know what to say. When I started researching and especially going onto LinkedIn and looking at all these self-published authors and these great people who are uh, uh, notable within their own industries, I said, you know what? Why not me? I see all these motivational quotes and people are so serious about it that, oh, you're the one, you should keep going and all these uh, um, inspirational things that they post. I'm like, you know what, maybe I should take it to heart. Why not me? So it took several drafts and it took about um, nine to 10 months in, in order to sit down and formulate not only all the um, hard skills that are in my head, but also uh, work with my editor to understand my own voice my unique perspective to organize it in a way that ended up being like 150 pages. I didn't know I had so much to say until I actually started drafting. And that, I would say the first couple of drafts were the hardest parts about um, the, the whole writing process because I had to get in tune that I generally and acknowledge that I have a lot in my head and that I have a lot to say. So it's just taking that time out to slowly comprehend, uh, make sense of it all and make sure that all my thoughts are comprehensible. Um, but it's always been a smart goal of mine. It, it, it was finally getting that nudge from other people and, and, and taking it seriously that I have the confidence in order to get this done. Look at me now. <laughs> self-published yeah, and no, it's like no congratulations yeah, that's, thank you. that's definitely awesome that you know it's it's i'm sure it was you know getting that first copy in your hand right yeah like the first oh. you know, hardcover copy i'm sure that was that was a pretty amazing moment right it was it was surreal and the opportunities um when it was finally out on market the the, the feedback i get um was wonderful uh, i'm very grateful and very thankful um, probably one of the biggest accolades and I'm in entries for awards and I was a finalist in a couple um, literary awards as well. Um, but I did a presentation at the University of San Francisco to the um, Student Association of Kinesiology for their department. For their, I mean, these are the next generation of um, kinesiologists, of health wellness providers, personal trainers. Um, and 
probably that was my biggest accomplishment that you know, I think about it. And the one hour I was doing my presentation with them, explaining my book, but actually teaching them what financial literacy means, um, they just soaked it in. I mean, these young minds were like, so tell me about adjusted gross income and tell me how do I get to my net? And can you tell me how do I calculate my, my federal uh, tax implications? And so we were going through all these exercises and I was telling them, you know, when you first get your paycheck, there's gonna be something like adjusted gross income. And then you have to see FICA. FICA is 8%. You don't have a choice, you have to pay it. They're like, I do? And I'm like, yeah, when I could go back in time, no one taught me that. Um, so if you take a if you're going to enter in a career where your revenue is going to be generated by the number of clients that you have times your rate, you're going to do have a couple more calculations to figure out what are the implications that are going to take your revenue away. Because once you graduate, you're going to have that student loan payment. You're going to have all these different other costs of living that will probably make you reconsider living in San Francisco. And will probably make you want to move and relocate somewhere else where the math actually works in your favor. Um, it was probably the most fulfilling presentation I, I, I've done to date. And they had more questions about the book. They had more questions about me. But that's when it was really solidifying for me that I'm doing good um, for the world, for the community. But I'm also making a positive impact on the next generation. I believe these are now Gen Gen Z, I'm a millennial, they're Gen Z. <laughs> yep. um, but, but seeing, having the, 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 seeing their faces light up and actually develop what I wanted, truly wanted to deliver is um, confidence. Now I get at least these 12 students understanding how to manage their money and they're not afraid to graduate and have the weight of a student loan on their backs. They actually know how to manage it. That meant the world to me. Like, good, my, my book is doing good. That's awesome. That's awesome. So did you set a goal? Did you want to be, you know, on the top Amazon list, the New York Times? Like what, what was your, did you have any aspirations or was the goal just to get it out so that people would be impacted by it? Well, <laughs> several goal listeners. <laughs> um, I need to clarify that I do not teach sales and marketing. Um, so there's so many resources within the fitness industry and so many great experts that will teach you how to do email marketing or paid search or search and optimization or reach or social media influencing. Um, wonderful people who will give out sales and marketing tips and courses in order to generate revenue. What I want to educate personal trainers are there's going to be their revenue, then come see me because I will teach you everything that will take the revenue away. I'm going to teach you how to do your financial statements, your net income statement, um, show you all the different costs of goods sold because what you really want need, what you're going to live off of is income. So if any of you are really specialized in sales and marketing listeners, um, I'd love to partner with you so we can develop a, a, a more comprehensive education to set up entrepreneurs, personal trainers, anyone who's venturing on their own to see both sides of the same coin. There's going to be the revenue gener There's going to be things that generate revenue and things that will take away revenue. I'm the guy who will educate you on what those things are. Um, because really, it's, we want to make a difference, but give um, people in general a more holistic uh, approach when viewing money. So I'd love to have some type of uh, partnership with anyone within the sales and marketing field uh, to provide that better service um, and education out there. Um, I do want my book to win a couple awards. <laughs> so I'm a sure. finalist in three and I'm waiting for feedback on, on, on seven. Um, so hopefully. Yeah. Um, I accomplished one of my SMART goals. Uh, so 
in the personal training world, you have to recertify your certificate um, every two to three years. Uh, depending on the organization that you have, you have to uh, go through what we call um, continuing education unit programs. Um, not that many personal trainers, not that many experts offer the courses that provide those units for those programs, but every personal trainer in order to certify had to accumulate a certain number of units to show that they were constantly learning within those two to three years. Yes. Um, on my website, I have a self-study course on the fundamentals of financial literacy that actually qualifies as one of those programs to give out those units. So I'm one of oh, the cool. select few um, educational providers um, uh, as vetted by the National Association of Sports Medicine. So that's one that's awesome. Yeah, I want to yeah. um, start taking that self-study course and start branching off into webinars, um, start doing uh, uh, more speaking engagements, uh, more in-person and one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, and the majority of my products will uh, qualify for those continuing education units. Uh, definitely a mission um, and a cause that I believe in that will only help other personal trainers, but I want to get financial literacy um, standardized um, in terms of education if I can't. It, it, first starting off within my industry, but I do have a couple opportunities to get financial literacy education more integrated into the universities and high schools and honestly even in the elementary schools. Um, so everyone at every generation uh, feels more confident handling their own money. Very cool. Yeah, maybe maybe you can make the uh, next board game. You know, the financial yeah. literacy board game. Hey, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why not? That that would go over well with the elementary and middle school kids. Yeah. Probably. So, or maybe some uh, financial literacy pogs. I don't know if you remember pogs, but yeah, oh, I just course. saw them. I just saw they made Slam a comeback. They just, I just saw them. They had them at Target the other day. Like literally on this, and I was like, "Pogs are back!" Like yeah. it, was, it was literally a, it was like a trend for like two weeks, and then yeah. they disappeared. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened. That's my generation, and right? now this new generation thinks the same. Well, I mean, what, the funny thing is that I've been watching um, a lot of these uh, sitcoms, and they're doing a lot of their nostalgic type of uh, um, episodes. Yeah, but the past is like the '90s. That's <laughs> another thing that makes me feel so old. I'm like, how old am I? I'm 38 years old. Um, but I was watching, you know, episodes on Fresh Off the Boat, uh, as well as Blackish, and when they do like flashbacks of, of uh, the parents going back in time, they're only going back to like 1989 or 1993. Like, it's not that far, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, that's that's interesting because I'm 38 as well, and. <laughs> And I think about, the, yeah, I think about the nineties, like it was just, it just happened. And yeah. it's, so, it's so funny, like our oldest son just turned 15. And so wow. like, yeah, he, yeah, he is, he's like the cool kid, right? He's got to have like, go to PacSun and all these different stores. Yeah. And it's funny to see like all of the clothes. It's mm -hmm. like 90s stuff. I'm like, yeah, like I wore the same shirt like, <laughs> when I was 15 and now you, you think it's cool? Like, yeah. like, you know, it's just so interesting to to see how the trends happen and how they how things just come back you know yeah i'm like i can't believe oh i was just talking i was uh doing wine tasting uh, with a couple friends um and the person who was serving us um uh, i want to say he was like 21 or tw maybe 22 or something he was uh born and raised within a winemaking family um and he was talking to us about uh college and things like that uh, and he asked he, he asked me a question and i said well, i don't remember what college and i looked at him like when I was your age, <laughs> when I was 21, and I would like continue on with my story, I'm like, I can't believe I'm at the age where I'm telling people when I was your age. I still feel like I'm in my 20s, kind of, sort of, until, until it's like 10 o'clock at night until I'm tired. <laughs> so. Right? Yep. 
that is it. Awesome. So uh, tell me a little bit about your your background. I know we talked before um, we started recording and uh, you had mentioned that your your parents are, are from the Philippines. So yes. uh, tell, tell us a little bit more about that. I'm, I'm big into culture. I know I told you my, my dad's from the Philippines as well. So uh, yeah. just give the audience a little bit into your background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so both of my parents um, um, from the Philippines, they immigrated um, in the early 70s. Um, when my mom finally immigrated to the United States, uh, she took my um, older brother and my older sister. They're older than me by um, nine and ten years. Um, so I'm the first one out of the five of us who was uh, born and raised in the Bay Area. Um, we're all still in the Bay Area. My grandmother, uh, on the mo my mom's mom, um, immigrated in the early 80s to help raise me while my parents were working. So. Um, in the Philippine household, it was my two parents were working. My, we were all going to school, but it was my grandma who did a lot of the raising. So um, I grew closest with her. Plus, my siblings were teenagers, and they were doing teenager things in the 80s as well. So I didn't know what to talk to. So I, <laughs> I talked to my grandma. Um, it was because she and I were super, super close, and it's very common in, the, in, in Asian culture. You don't put your grandmother in um, an old people home. <laughs> they, yep. they stay in your they stay in your home um, until the very last day. So when she was diagnosed um, with uh, diabetes and, and she had a stroke, um, that was when I was in high school. Things got a little rocky and it was pretty hard. Uh, she passed away my senior year of college. Um, and so when there's a death in the family, um, it's hard to deal with. Um, but especially if it's the some person who raised you, um, it was really, really hard on me. Um, it went into, it went into, a, a, I kind of a, um, put down all of those emotions for about four years and <laughs> dove right into work and, and became uh, um, very protective of my emotions and vulnerability. It wasn't until about four years later, the emotions started coming out um, and I started really uh, uh, um, seeking professional help in terms of uh, grief um, in terms of understanding who I am um, as a Filipino man, um, in terms of my culture, in terms of my family, um, and understanding all the dichotomy that surrounds that. Um, once I got a good handle of that and I finally got closure, I got closure because I got a tattoo of my grandmother on my back. There's a huge, huge angel that's about the size of my palm. Um, that's when I felt like I can finally move on with my adulthood. Um, funny thing is that that whole notion of understanding of my role within the context of being Filipino and Filipino-American. My parents are Filipino. I'm Filipino-American. So there's a totally different disconnect. And I have to explain to people, yeah, I, was grew I was born and raised in a culture that is more independent thinking, that is very entrepreneurial thinking, um, whereas my parents are very communal. So that was, a very, that was another source of conflict to begin with. It's very common for people to explain to their um, Asian parents what they're doing, what their career choices are, and for the Asian parents to not understand. <laughs> so yeah. my parents understood I was pursuing a, a tech career, so they thought I was gonna be this big executive. Okay, I'm not going to be a nurse, or like my mom, I didn't work at the post office, or I'm not an engineer. I do not like engineering. <laughs> I was never interested in it, but my dad, my dad was. Um, so for them to hear that I was going to leave the tech industry to go into what physical fitness you want to teach Zumba, you want to work at, at the gym down the street, like, no, and no, 
and no. <laughs> so that was another thing that I had to deal with. Not only was I um, had to uh, entrust myself that I was doing what was right for me, but also going back to my family and the nuclear family where they actually didn't know what I was doing and hearing their message less of condescending and disapproving, but more as worry that, hey, are you going to be okay living in this new country? This is the United States. This is in the Philippines. In the Philippines, they didn't grow up with so many choices, whereas I did. Um, I think what made the difference with my family was that they saw that I'm financially stable <laughs> and, that I'm doing, and that I'm helping others, um, but to know that I'm not asking them for money and I hope it helps. Um, they just wanted to be reassured that their son is going to be okay, and I am. Uh, but dealing with Asian parents uh, specifically, it could be frustrating. It could be comical at times also, um, but uh, I did have to shed uh, that stereotype that I'm not going to be one of the uh, stereotypical uh, uh, Asian careers that you would otherwise think of. Yeah, and, that, and that's, uh, so sorry about your, your grandmother. It's definitely, it's tough, right? It's, it's tough, tough. When, yeah. when you lose somebody, especially someone that you're, you're super close to. And, and yeah. I, you know, I, I can relate to that experience. My mom passed away seven years ago, you know, and yeah. it was one of those things where she got sick in November and then by March she had, had yeah. passed away. And um, I remember that, that like loneliness and that kind of dark place that you, yeah. you don't even realize that you're there, you know, like yeah. literally just going through the motions of life and you're kind of numb, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. I can, uh, I can completely relate to that. And, and for me, it was, you know, the support of family and friends and mm -hmm. you know, just kind of one day, like looking at myself and saying, is this, what she would want you to do it would she yeah you know, would she want you to to be there and stay there and not actually like live your life you yeah. know so i had so i had to just kind of switch that and to start celebrating her more right yeah and looking at it from 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 that context but i, yeah. I completely get like why it took you so long why it took you four years to you know to snap out of it. I mean, cause yeah. listen, it's when that, when that happens and I think it happens to most human beings at some point in their life, like it, it's just, it's a very interesting, almost eerie kind of place, you know? Yeah. Um, and the, the way that time moves when you're there is different, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's the only way that, that I can really, uh, explain it. So I definitely yeah. appreciate you sharing that with me. And I, I, you know, my dad was from the Philippines and my mom's American. So I, I grew up, first 12 years just with my mom didn't meet my dad till I was 12. So yeah. you can imagine me like growing up in America, American home, all regular kind of stuff. And then going and meeting him and like, he was super strict and he was, you know, like I would have to st like do schoolwork in the summer. I was like, what? like, wait a second here. Like, I'm pretty sure I was on summer break, you know, yeah. why am I doing math right now? You know? Yeah. And I yeah, actually yeah. hate math uh, to begin with. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so no, I can relate to the, you know, one Asian parent thing and uh, yeah. it, it definitely is different, but I, I like what I learned from my dad was hard work. Like he actually, um, started working on the rice fields when he was seven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there was no, you were the machine. You might've had mm -hmm. a, he had a caribou that was dragging him, yeah. like, you know, but yeah. like, so he started there and then he went into the Philippine army after high school and then he was a merchant Marine and then he was a seaman and sailed on ships. And you know, mm -hmm. he was, he was searching. He was trying to, like you said, there's not a lot of opportunities there. So yeah. like a lot of Filipinos do, they want to 
come for the American dream. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they, they yeah, want yeah. something better than they have back home. Yeah. And, and most of them, I don't know if your parents are like this, but my dad, it was like most of his income went back there, right? To, mm-hmm. to start a business. He actually uh, created a rice mill, like built a rice mm-hmm. mill. And then he built a boarding house for college students. And so his mm-hmm. money actually went back to invest there. So that when he retires, he's got, he's, he feels like he has something established. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I'm so glad that you brought that up. Right um, it, 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 it's such an it, interesting uh, segue also. I didn't, probably it wasn't until recently, until I was in, in my 30s, that I actually started understanding my parents for being the adults that they are um, and understanding the plight, the immigration plight, and what type of um, the situation. That they, they went to a brand new country to resettle their entire family and started from nothing. Um, so I remember going up and you know what, I, it was rightfully so that I did get spanked for talking back and not appreciating the things that I have um, because they worked their butts off for me. I didn't really see that until I got, became a, a full-fledged adult and I was standing on my own um, that I look at my dad and like, man, you handled, you handled life way more gracefully than I, than I did because, and especially under the circumstances that you did. Um, my dad uh, is dark skinned, so he had to deal with a lot of racism. He was originally supposed to move in with my family in Chicago, um, but something happened. They had a falling out, and then he relocated to the Bay Area, and we were here ever since. So my life could have been totally different. Our lives could have been totally different. He, we didn't uh, make the leap, take the leap of faith to uh, immigrate to the United States. Um, so it was. I always appreciated my parents. But I didn't appreciate my parents into the depth, the emotional depth that I have now, now that I am, well, now that I'm in my 30s, um, a way different context. And, and I say that because it gives me more of a, a deeper understanding of my why, of why I want to tra- uh, blaze my own trail to be the entrepreneur, to make not only my parents proud, my family name proud, but also make my grandmother proud. She took care of me and um, to live a life that's fulfilling and that's happy. Um, and to give back to community um, without Asian parents don't talk a lot. <laughs> they don't say anything, but I know that makes them happy. So sure. that adds into my why. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Th- them seeing you thrive and knowing, like you said earlier, like once they knew you were okay, once they knew that yeah. you were financially stable, then they were fine. Like then they were okay. Like, yeah, like go do Zumba if you want to now. Yeah. Like, as, long as, <laughs> as long as you're good, you know, yeah. and you know, you don't have to ask us for like, they want you to be sustainable. And I get yeah. it. And that, yeah. and, you know, it's, it's so interesting because it, it makes sense, but you know, it's funny because like thinking about your parents, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can probably see both of them in you, right? Like, yeah. you know, how, like how we're wired. We get mm-hmm. a lot of the things like for me, I, my mom was like super, super kind. And she's, you know, American, a white lady, blonde hair, green eyes, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. maiden name is, is Lynch. So super Irish. Mm-hmm. And then my, mm-hmm. my great grandmother was full-blooded uh, Chippewa Indian. And oh, so okay. I'm, I'm Irish, Native American and Filipino. So I'm, I'm a, a mixed, right. In mm-hmm. Philippine terms, they call me a mestizo, right. That's mm-hmm. like yep. the, the yep, mixed yep. terminology. Um, but like my mom was always super kind. She was outgoing. She had a lot of energy. She actually was born with one lung. And so wow. her entire life, her entire 54 years that she was alive, she lived on one lung, but she never complained. She was on oxygen most of her life. And uh-huh when I think about like things that I've gone through, like I firmly believe I haven't even experienced adversity yet. I mean, mm-hmm. this is somebody that when she was born in 1958, yeah. the doctor said she wouldn't live to be 18. 
she wouldn't wow. be able to have any kids and she yeah. lived to 54 and had five boys so like wow. she did super well with the cards that she was dealt yeah and so when i look at my life I, I i get my kindness and empathy and being outgoing from her and i get the hard working Put mm -hmm. your head down, you know, dig, dig in the dirt if you have to, to make money from mm -hmm. my dad. And so when you mm -hmm. combine those and when you're able to take those things that they taught you over the, yeah. the time that you've had with them, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I, that's, I think, when you start to really identify who you are. Yeah, absolutely. I started recognizing and I, it wasn't until my friends, until my partner actually told me, like, you resemble your dad a whole lot, even though you, I've seen you fight with them uh um more than once um but my anal retentiveness my ability to sit down and stare at numbers i get it from my dad <laughs> I mean, from the engineer um, my fun loving side my extroversion my mom but i didn't really see that until yeah. someone actually points it out and it's just i remember growing up and i and, and i fought with them a whole lot i just didn't want to be hanging out with the family all the time but i want to be with my friends and it wasn't until I became an adult that I said, oh, my God, I became you guys. Oh, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's definitely true. Yeah. So, um, well, hey, listen, man, it's, it's been awesome. It's been awesome getting to hang with you, getting to learn a little bit more about you and, and what you do. And, yeah. and I definitely know this is going to provide a lot of value to the audience. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to, to, just so you can say, I'm going to put everything in the show notes for everybody, but uh, just tell everyone where they can find you. Where, where's the best place to find you? Where are you hanging out on social platforms or, um, you know, best places to get a hold of Nelson Toriano? Sure. My website is coachnellitoriano.com. You can find my email there as well. It's nelson at coachnellitoriano.com. Um, also, follow my Insta, uh, Coach Nelly Toriano. Uh, that's, my, that's my handle, um, as well as uh, the URL for my uh, Facebook as well. Um, so reach out to me. I'd love to connect you with you. Oh, awesome. and LinkedIn, by the way, also under my form, full name, Nelson E. Toriano. You can find me there too. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll make sure folks that all of those links will be in the show notes. So definitely reach out. Uh, he's super energetic, as you could tell, super passionate about what he does, not just about fitness, but actually making sure that people have sustainable businesses, right? Yes. Because it's, it's one thing to be able to, to do what you're passionate about, but if you don't know how to manage those finances, it's mm -hmm. tough to actually make what you're passionate about an actual career. So, hey, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Can't wait till this airs and uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Nelson Toriano. What an amazing story from tech to fitness and all the great things he's doing for the fitness community about teaching them how to make sure their business is successful through financial literacy. Uh, definitely make sure to uh, go follow him on all of his social media accounts. I'll be dropping that into the show notes. And please make sure if you're not subscribed yet, make sure to subscribe and tell all your friends about the Blaze Your Own Trail podcast. I really, really appreciate all your support.